So you're a disciple because you can't not be one. What do I mean by that? Well, you've ever heard of people tell you in different jobs, they'll say it's a calling. Like some people that become a doctor or a nurse or a police officer or something, they, they realize hey, it's a job, but they realize they can't not do it. There's something built in them that, want, that has this endearment, so even though they're just drawn to that. And, but be, being a disciple, God calls us all to be one, but if you don't, if you don't seriously realize that, the, that, that like, like just to walk away, a true disciple couldn't go, I'm done, I'm going to walk away tomorrow. You, you wouldn't be able to do it. You would be miserable. And why people have fallen away, the Bible does teach that, God knows in his infinite wisdom they're going to come back. Now, I wouldn't suggest that because anybody that has fallen away and comes back, they'll tell you they beat the tar out of themselves because they walked away with God and the sins and consequences of life just made it worse. Because people just think, I got, I got my church thing going on and now I got it, I'll take it from here. And all of us will wave back into ourself before God. And in John chapter 6, verse 54, it says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Just on hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Stop right there. First of all, if you haven't read the scriptures and you open up where I just started, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, we could be going, this is a frightening, what, is, what are they talking about? Well, it's Jesus speaking. And really, what he's really saying is be fully consumed. It, it, it's how can, how can Jesus give us himself as bread to eat? Well, to eat the living bread means to fully embrace Christ in your life in every area and become united with him and devoting yourselves as he requires you to live that is really what that means it's full undivided intentional love for God and striving to do your best for God and understanding you're in grace Let's pick it up in verse 66. From this time, many of, his, this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. You know, if it's so exciting and amazing to be a Christian, how come so many people don't live that way, but call themselves a Christian? 
because they love the idea of just fooling themselves to go, I'm going to heaven by just word service. I listen to these words, I accept these words, and they do a little ceremony, but then they don't change, and they don't, they don't have a conviction, and they're not truly converted because God is not in them because they don't feel that bad when they sin. See, a disciple can't stay in sin. It's miserable. You're convicted, you're guilt-ridden, and then you gotta, you got to be convinced of grace and be reminded to look at the Scriptures because then sometimes disciples can start to beat themselves up because they're sorry for their sin, but then they feel accused and they're not worthy, and that's another problem. But the main problem is if you don't care, you're not a Christian. You don't call yourself a Christian because you're not living it. You're, you're going to be, and he says here, but, but they said it's a hard teaching. It is a hard teaching if your heart isn't responsive to God. It's a hard teaching if you don't want God's agenda to move your agenda out of your life. It's getting in the way. It's more to do to be a Christian. Oh my gosh. No, you want God to fit in your life and Jesus will follow you, but you want God with you, but you want to still do it your way and kind of be convinced I'm right no matter what I decide. It's the Burger King church, I call it. Have it your way. Burger King commercials used to say, have it your way, and they prided themselves on when you ordered, they'd never have it pre-cooked. Like sometimes, you, some, I, don't, I don't eat fast food anymore, but I used to go there, and sometimes you ever get a hamburger or something, and it seems like it's been under the bright lights for like the last 12 hours? They, they brought that in and said they cook it fresh right when you ordered. Have it your way. Hold the pickles. Put the mustard on it. I would like just one slice of cheese. And then you can really make sure they're on their, on their cue because you purposely could give something that you know there's no way it could be under the burner. And then you find out, wow, they did make it my way. And why Jesus wants to give us a life of joy and help us love each other because God is love, so love brings joy. You don't have it your way. But see, the problem is people think, I still, I, I'm not having it my way. I'm having it Jesus' way. But then they don't know the Bible. And that, that, that they have to understand in and of itself is so, they're so deceived to say that. To assume you're right with God and not be a learner and a follower of the teachings of the words of God and striving to continue to read and have fellowship with God, you, you, you realize even in that statement it's foolish because you're saying something you can't really even understand if you're doing. And Jesus says, after they said, man, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? They're trying to rally a little dissension group. Wow, this is hard teaching. And they want somebody else to go, I know, man, I know. So, you know, then, 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 and then, then, uh-oh, Jesus might go, uh-oh, there's a division. There's people that might want to fall away. What are they doing? This is a hard teaching, man. This is really what this church teaches. What's this church? What's Jesus teaching in this church? This is hard teaching. But Jesus just looks at him and goes, I hear the grumbling. I don't need to jump up out of fear and go, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. He just goes, does this offend you? But then he says, then in verse 62, he says, what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Boom, right there. If you could just camp on that. You count for nothing. I count for nothing. If you're living for nothing, that's what you're doing. Even though, wait a minute, you're telling me my life's not important? No, no. But if you're not having God first and living by the Spirit of God, everything you're doing is going to end. And you're building an empty kingdom. Because it crashes and burns, and even when you die, it stays here. 
So you're living and running and racing and striving. The flesh counts for nothing. Yet, so he says here, and he says, yet in verse 64, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables him. And then that's where we see from this time, from this time many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I mean, that's, I mean come on. But people do that every day. People stop, people come, and then if they're challenged scripturally, they want, a lot of people just don't want to get too involved. Come and hear the niceties and just not want to get in my life. But see, if you care about each other, you, get, you actually want to be in each other's lives because sin is crouching at our doors and it's deceitful. Yeah. So no one can just live, if you think consciously you're just going to be right with God without being aware of sin and repentance, then you don't understand God's truth. But that's fine because you're still alive, so you have a chance. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 12. See, I'm a disciple, and even though I've had hard times, the, may, the time I really saw the truth was in 1993, and I believed in God and all that, but I was not right when I really studied the Bible. Once I knew, and Jesus showed me, and there was people modeling it in Los Angeles and living it out, and I saw this is really something I've never seen, and more importantly, I saw the truth. It cut me. See, you know when you're hit by God, and God knows when you're hit. But see, if you're not hit, then God hasn't chosen you. Because if he chose you, how would you turn down God? And see, if you're not obeying God and seeking God and striving to find people of God and live as a kingdom of God on earth, striving to seek and save and help others know as you praise God and walk with God, then you don't see the value. And you still think something's more important and you want a compartmentalized part of God to fit in your life. In Mark chapter 1, verse 12, it says, At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. See, Mark breaks this down pretty concisely. He, he, he presents us with two symbolic pictures of truth. Our Lord Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, remind us and remind the Jewish people in that time of Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. But Israel failed when they were tested. But our Lord succeeded victoriously. Having triumphed over that evil and the temptations that all of us face, Jesus could now go forth and call a new people 
who would enter into the spiritual inheritance because he went through everything we went through and he was human in every way and tempted in every way. And if he can do it, we can do it. But you got to want to do it and you got to really go, wow, God is, if God, God's got to move you and you got to respond because it's God that you need to allow. And God's not going to stay around if you play Christian, fake. He's patient. But don't mistake his kindness for weakness and don't mistake his, don't think you're smarter than he is. So if you're playing church hypocritical people, if someone is, you're mocking him the worst. If I told Sonia, Sonia's my wife, I'm married, but every chance I got away from her, I would just go to strip bars and try to pick up women. But every time I was with people, with her, I'd say, this is my wife, I'm married. That's what we're doing to God. God says you're adulterous. He uses the word that if you're a sinful person, you're adulterer to God. But no one's going to call you out at the moment, but God sees everything. But see, that's what's important. If you're moved by God, you're awake. You're fired up. Um, so the name Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. The first Adam was tested in a beautiful garden and failed. He was called, that's why the second Adam in Romans, it says, here Adam was asked to rule over and everything I've given you rule over it. All authority from God in Genesis 1.28, he says, everything I'm creating, I want you to rule over it. But then he sinned, he failed the test. Adam failed the test. Sin came into the world when he sinned. He was, that was a high calling. But see, when you become a disciple, that's your calling too. You are saved by grace, but you now died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? So a disciple truly called by God that's really studied the Bible, God's words, and understood is broken. It's not like, oh, gosh, now i got to fight this sin. No, you're starting to look like, yeah, you got to fight it because you're, you're our sinful nature is going to be attracted to the things we know are destructive, but we know we're not going to do it. Christ, but in Christ, Christ has the authority over the creation. And he's restored the trust in God and all of us when he tells us to follow. That's why he cannot have sin. And as we live, we live in God's grace and presence. So let's look at some more of these things. You know, uh, Mark, by the way, Jesus did not invent the form of this term fishers of men. We've heard of it, and, and, it's, a, and it's true. He's talking to fishers, fishermen, but, and, and it is true he's relating to them, but really it's for, they use this in lots of terms in uh, marketing and business and sometimes in terms. They, they, basically, it's a common description back at that time even of philosophers and teachers who captured people's minds through the teaching and persuasion that they gave. That's why you've you got to make sure you check out what you follow. A lot of people can be manipulated by con men and cults and false doctrines and all that craziness. But that's why we have the Bible, and that's why each of us show the Bible as we walk with the Bible and God's words, right? Because we, not, we know we will be deceived if we just try to wing it now and go, well, just don't worry about bringing your Bible and just hope that I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing. I mean, if everybody gets up. Can you imagine people sharing over and over? No one would even mean to, but eventually... Someone's going to start watering it down or get a little off, and we don't have Bibles. We're just going to be going like that, and it may take time. It could take 10 years, but then pretty soon we become this false doctrine church that no one knew because we didn't hold the scriptures 
at the authority. See, to be a fisher of men, you would bait the hook with your teachings and catch disciples. See, Jesus' teachings are salvation, are from God Almighty, are righteous and loving and pure. So he baits the hook with him. God Almighty saying, come follow me. Well, if you're a disciple or, or you've meant to be saved, and you're, you're, you're going to go, wow, that's attractive. Like a fish would look at a certain leer. You're fishing. There's certain, I don't know how to fisherman, but I know there's certain baits that you have to learn for certain areas in fishermen. But a fish, if you get the right lure, the fish looks at it, oh, that's attractive. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's not wrong. It's great. It's great. It, it, Jesus it says, come follow me. I'm the teachings, and I'm persuading you. I am of God. Now are you going to take the bait and want to follow me? It's not a trick. It says, this is real. You want it. And they say probably about as many as seven as the first Lord's disciples that were started to follow were, were fishermen, so they even related to that more. But it's still, we all understand that. So... And surely the, the good qualities of successful fishermen would make for success in a difficult ministry of winning souls, catching souls for God. Once you're caught, and you want to be caught, by the way, and then you understand, like, wow, I'm caught by God. I'm fired up. I'm right with God. Now you're learning to walk by God's word and live in the light. It's not you, but by your life and your faith and your love as you reach out, you can tell people why you're following Jesus and what God is calling that person to do because he calls all people. Yeah. See that? Yeah. So you don't have to, if they don't see it, don't worry. Yeah. Move on. They're not the right fish. They're not, they're not open. They don't want the bait. Don't, you don't have to push and manipulate and do anything. Or you don't have to go look at the next scripture, look at the next scripture, look at the next scripture. Someone you can tell if they're open or arguing. Now, we all need to learn and ask questions and always ask questions that, for our, as, even as a Christian, answer your own questions. Always re-so-called converting yourself, looking at scripture. And, you know, reconverting yourself on why do you do what you do. It's always good to re just build your faith. See that? Point number one is God works for those who obey him. See, this scripture has been called out of context. God, God, a lot of people just throw out, God works for all, the good of all. That's a misquoted, not properly said verse. Let's look at this. If you say God's working, God works for the good of all. No, he does not work for the good of all. He works for this. Look in Romans 8, 20, 28. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say he works for those he loves. Wow, it's not even, God's not even saying he loves, he already says he loves us. He says it many places, but now he says he's working for the good of those who love God. Yeah. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And now you have to go, now everybody could use their opinion, right? I love God. Don't tell me I don't love God, and you could really mean I love God. But now that's good because God knew that we'd probably say that as human beings because no one can really capture exactly and tell people you don't love God, right? That's not our job. You go, well, what does that mean to love God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's just read a couple more verses, but we'll answer that. But first he says he works for the good of those who love him. So look at that. It doesn't say he works for the good of those who don't love him. He doesn't work for the good of those who are just good moral people trying to do their best as citizens. It says... We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, which means he knew ahead of time who was going to do it. That doesn't really help. We don't need to go any farther than that, but he did. So if you responded and became a true disciple, wow. You were in him going, I know you're going to go for it. Then it says, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Come follow me. And as we respond, we, we understand what that means. Repent and believe the good news. Now we got to understand what's repent mean. And then believe is not just intellectual belief. That's the start. But you got to understand what's the Bible's definition and how does the Bible interpret believe. If you really believe in Jesus the way the word's used in the first century, that means you repented. And you were baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to believe. If someone in the first century goes, I believe in Jesus, that, that would be not like today. I believe in Jesus. Good. Go. No, they've misread that. Believe is a different, false meaning the way the churches and world teaches today, many of them. If you believed in Jesus, you're baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So now let's get back to God works for the good of those who love him. Well, let's look at John 14, 23. Now, God doesn't say he's not patient with those who don't love him, just like he was with me. I was, I, God left me alive and allowed me to stay alive to actually respond at 31 years old. So I was the worst sinner and didn't have any, I believed in God. I stopped going to church when I got in my 20s, but then I would plug in when I was feeling and doing terrible, and I felt like I, the roof's, everything's falling in on me. So that belief in God, that instinct said, God, I never not believe in God, but I did not understand anything else. So God was patient. So God's patient with those not wanting anyone to perish, but he doesn't say he loves them. He's, not wor He's patient trying to get your attention, trying to get disciples to go, come follow me. But he's not going to work for the good of someone that's not obeying him because they would be more deceived, which they are because they already claim those kind of words. That they trump the Bible and just go, whatever my life is, they'll just force that into them. That's what's so sad. And no one's going to argue with them. That's just pride. You can't fight that. Just walk away from that and go, I can't do anything for you. The Bible says this, and you're arguing with what the Bible said. So we'll stop now. You want a soda before you leave? Or, you know. Here's my card. We can be friends, but I'm busy making disciples. So amen. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. Wow. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Those, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Wow. So see, when that hit me, I was like, whoa. And even today, I am willing, even when I'm not willing. I'm willing to fight against my unwillingness when I know it's unrighteous. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you're unwilling, but you know it's not right with God. You know, okay, God, help me, help me, help me. Help me do and obey and override my unwilling emotions because you call me to be obedient, not just when I feel like it. So even the fact that you know that and fight that, you know you really are truly called because God's spirit is in you and urging you because you're saved by grace. But you don't just let it go, whatever. Just going to, you know, God, I'm taking a few days off from you out. 
And you go out with your, you know, call your buddies. I'm like, let's go out one more run. Let's go out and do whatever we want. And you think, and then, and then you come back and go, I'm sorry. You know, that's ridiculous. Because you're just playing him. I'm not saying he won't even be patient with that, but that's stupid. Because your heart's already warping. That's what I would call it. It's warping. You're already playing angles and then coming back. So you can't play with God. I'm going to read that again because I think a lot of people don't. There's people all over the world that go to church and even believe in God and don't understand this. They walk blind. Because they've decided in their mind, in their own psychological profile, I'm a good person. I try to do my best. I try not to lie. And they try to think things out, and they justify themselves. But they're not willing to humble fully to discipleship. Point number two. Remember when you were a dead man walking. And maybe someone in here is still a dead man man walking and let me explain what I mean Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 see what does it mean to obey God well follow Jesus learn to deny yourself carry your cross that means when it's difficult and challenging not just with sin but to live and be devoted and help with him and the body of Christ which is the church continue to call out to the world and go we we please come to church I want you to study the Bible are you right with God? Let me show you what I've learned. Look in Ephesians 2.1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air. God doesn't even, God's word doesn't even respect Satan. It says kingdom of air, small k, small a. But it is a power demonic power but God's like you got nothing on me but you know unless you go to God you're not going to get you're not going to beat this but that's what he even says he even kind of disses him right here when you used to follow the world the, the, the world and the ruler of the kingdom there now without God we're so weak but I love how the Bible just tells the truth the kingdom of air it's all hot air to God Jesus died rose from the dead devil you got nothing I actually just stamped the whole world with victory now does, now we just got to see who in the world wants to come in and realize the victory is already done, but they got to be willing and obedient. So it says here, the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You see that? I went to church for many years, not even knowing the Bible, which means I didn't even understand that the spirit of Satan, the ruler of the air, was at work in me because of my proof of my life. I never would have said that. I would have said, I believe in God. I go to church. I believe in Jesus. I went to a private school that taught Jesus. I went to church. I was, you know, I went through different things. I mean, it was, I got Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I believed in Jesus. And I'm not, dis, I'm, I did. Was, I really did believe in him. But I had a spirit that was in me that was, that was causing me to be disobedient. And I was allowing it. See, if you think of your life, see, he says, when you were dead, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions, a dead man walking, dead woman. If you're not saved in Christ, and, and that means a disciple of Jesus, not just saying you're saved, and no matter what outfit the minister has, pink thing or even a collar or some beautiful uh, shiny red capes over them, whatever they do, a hat, a pogo stick, or I mean a cane, whatever they do. I mean, uh, uh, what do you call it? A, you know, I don't care what they look like. I don't care if the church, I don't care if the church has a cross on it and it says Jesus and it has little stations and it has truth in it and Bibles in every seat. 
That does not mean necessarily they're teaching true discipleship. The satanic powers, what do you think, they're stupid? Satan's going to get in there with the scheme and get religious leaders to study the Bible and not, I believe, not be totally honest and humble with themselves. So they actually believe what they're teaching, but they don't even realize they're still in sins. So they still will teach, but they won't rarely challenge. If you watch this garbage like Joel Osteen, false doctrine. If you watch it, you're watching a false satanic preacher. Why? I'm saying it. Well, he's talking about him. Yeah, because he's going all over the air. And I've watched him. See, I play spot the false doctrine teacher. I wouldn't. I would. I do. I watch once in a while, and I go, because eh, you got to know the Bible really well. They're so smooth, and they're moving it. But you could just see they usually don't go to their Bible, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk, and then they pull out, and they look at the crowd, and they go, "Now, won't you listen to this? Listen to me, right? Real good." <laughs> I really want you, and you need to listen, you need to listen to me. God told me. God told me last week. Everybody's like, you're an, you, no, God didn't tell him squat. God doesn't whisper in your ear anymore. He speaks to his son in the word of God. That's what it says. The satanic spirit that says the ruler of the kingdom of air. The spirit that is now working those disobedient, not those who call themselves members of a church. That's even better. Satan's got the schemes. He wants to lead the world astray. He's going to get you to think you're okay when you're not. Yeah. See, when I went to church in the old, before I was a Christian, it wouldn't have been really not uncommon that I wouldn't have had sex outside of marriage that week with somebody. If I didn't have a girlfriend, if I was in the bar and we were hooking up and someone was, we were getting along real well, after party. I had no discretion. I wasn't mean. I didn't beat her. She seemed to be enjoying herself. We had smiles and laughs. But I was totally out of bounds. Someone offered me a hit on something. Well, I wasn't like, oh, I'm fasting. I'd go, oh, why not? I was a pleasure pig. I was a pleasure pig. I consumed whatever was put in front of me that caused pleasure. If it offered some kind of pleasure, uh, sure, I'll try some. And that's what most people do in sin. They don't stop themselves if they're not Christians. They're dead. You see, God gave you life when you came out of the womb. He gave you the gift of life. That's not salvation. He brought you into the planet. He decided before you were born what year you'd be born, what, what sex you would be, what nationality, who you'd be born to. Everybody has free choice. So if you had challenging parents and they weren't the best, you got to go, God, what did I learn from that? But God oversaw it, and he still is going to give you a chance. But he brought you in like that. So you're walking, and everybody's dead people walking until they understand and call and follow Jesus and go, how do I get the Spirit of God? But more importantly, how do I get saved and forgiven? Another false doctrine is that Spirit's thrown around like a cheap suit. Everybody has a conviction. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, come down. Everybody comes from a church. It's like, what the heck? Study the Bible and we can get clear on that too. But that's a satanic ploy too. Because if someone's thought to believe that they can speak in tongues. And speak in tongues. And they leave. How are you going to convince somebody if they really believe they spoke in tongues emotionally? Because the Spirit that's work at him, can get you emotional and prompt you. And, the, and Satan does have the power to let you do stuff. But, of course, you're going to be told it's from God. So when you go out and speak in tongues, I've studied with people that that's their trip up. And I go, 
But then we'll study the Bible, and they're not living as a disciple. They never became a disciple. I said, how would the Spirit of God give you this power, even if it still did exist? And I can study that clearly out with anyone in context to show it was a time of different languages. I'm not going to go into that now. But how would he let you do that? Of course, it's such a scheme. If you think you've got some kind of power from God in a church and you're not a disciple, how is someone really going to convince you you're not saved? Because you've been taught and believed that this is happening. It's more of a ploy to think you got God. God did that with you. How can that not? I know it happened. And I go, I know it did too. I know that experience is real. I'm just telling you, you're saying it was God. I'm saying it was a different spirit. <gasps> I said, let's look at the scriptures. By your own life, you're not a disciple. How would God give you this miraculous power and mislead you if you haven't even repented of sin and you're still dead man walking? I studied the Bible with a guy in Los Angeles a long time ago, and unfortunately he didn't go. He stopped and left. This was a hard teaching, and he no longer falls. But he was coming off crack and drugs and nothing against anything like that because that's, that's terrible slavery. I, I'm, I'm an ex-person that had to repent of drugs and alcohol. But he, he was having that trip up, and he was taught he was in tongues, but his life was all over the place. I mean, he just barely, he was on, he was just no recognition of a, of a pattern of life. And then I was like, we were, we did a couple studies, and I said, you want to pray? I said, we were holding, I said, would you like to pray? I mean, I said, let's pray, and we were, and someone else was praying, and he was there, and he started talking why the person was praying, and he started going, and I said, I stopped the prayer. I said, hold on, excuse me, I don't mean to break the prayer. I go, what are you doing? Because we're together, and that's, that's the devil. I'm not going to be rude, but I'm going to go. I, I'm not going to sit there with somebody going off in something when I'm in a circle. That's demonic. There's something going on. First of all, respectfully, even when you pray, if you ask some, someone, can pray. But you don't just start going off on your own thing together. There, that's either you're really rude and we got to talk, or what's coming out of your mouth, dude, and you just got off crack last week. There's a problem. And it may be any other sin, but I knew his life enough that we studied. I go, you're not a disciple by your own rights. You haven't been saved, but you say you got this power. Dude, you don't have the power of God. You got the power of the ruler of the air. The one that's working you right now, it's keeping you disobedient, that's deceiving you. The power of the ruler of the air. Satan has power if you don't strive to show that you want to be obedient and you love to be obedient to Jesus. And when you're in sin, you love to get right and get humble and repent. That shows you that you're not a dead man walking anymore if you recognize it. Let's look a little bit more. So it says here, the kingdom, in verse 2, I'll just get a run-up. It says, in which you used to live and follow the ways of the world, of the, of the ruler of the kingdom of air, and the spirit who is now working those who are disobedient. All of us, so we're, all, we're not putting anybody down. We have to own it, too, because none of us were just saved out of the mother's womb. All of us who also, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. See, its desire and thoughts, Satan always tries to make it, he changes it to your desires and thoughts. He, he gets you to think that way, but then he's never going to go to you, go, this is Satan. You're gonna, it, he makes you think, it's my desires and thoughts. But it's Satan leading you if you're not being obedient to Christ. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Wow. That, what are you talking about? God's going to bring wrath? Yeah. People die. I hear people die. I don't like hearing that because the first thing I'll do is I go, God, I hope they were right. Because the majority aren't. And I'm not the judge, but I just go, oh. Yeah. Especially if I know that someone at once was around my life and I saw them got converted and they're disciples. But now I know they made decisions to be disobedient and not be, live right. I don't know how big God's grace is, but I just go, that scares me. Yeah. Because it says, by wrath. You're deserving of wrath. 
the wrath of God is coming. Make no mistake. We think something weird, and even some of us are too sentimental as disciples. Doesn't mean you're, you're not the judge, so get that off your shoulders. You're not, you're not forced to help save people. Get that off your shoulders. You, God just tells you to offer the truth that you found, and if you're really living disciple, you're excited about it. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath, but because of his, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Saving faith you must have your faith. What are you saved by? Your faith, by, what's your faith based on? You can't just emotionally say Jesus without making sure it's biblically Jesus and understanding even the repentance of changing and following Jesus and getting in touch with your sin before you can even be forgiven. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by the works so that no one can boast. For we are all God's handiwork. God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he prepared this in advance. So you were meant to become a disciple if you responded. Now, now you're meant to stay a disciple. So whatever life situation, and Melvin did a great job sharing his communion. He did awesome. I know Melvin for the last five years almost. And I saw him through that period he shared. And I talked to him the other day and I said, bro, this is a credible story. I'm not saying you've, because you didn't do, try in school, you got accepted, and then you, you failed out. That was very discouraging. He had to go back, and he didn't tell you the rest. He went to Valencia and started picking through it and had to earn his way back in. Lost his same job, lost his standing. Humble pie all the way. I think he really understands God didn't do that to hurt you. He works for the good of those who love him. Now you're saying, how could that be good? Well, he was working in Melvin's life because Melvin still showed he loved him even though he was struggling. But then he got in order and said, what do I need to take responsibility for? And what you take, instead of going, why is this happening? You go, why is it not happening? What am I doing? But I can tell you what I see and what God sees is the perseverance. He loves those who obey him. You obeyed even when it was really hard in your life. And look what you've become. You've become more of a mature, refined man. And that's why I asked him to lead this next singles devotional and preach. I've seen him become a man more mature of God, which is everybody needs to do that, no matter who you are, no matter what age. You've got to take time to grow in the scriptures. So let's continue to read this. So uh, in, um, so it says, so it does be prepared in advance. Now look in Galatians 5.19. Because what I'm saying is God works for those who obey him. Now, this is the thing. I'll study the Bible with somebody. We'll get in the Bible. We'll study the Bible. They're going to church, but they were saved by a, a call, altar call, and they don't even understand what the purpose is. They come to church, they go home, 
They come to church. They're nice. They encourage. They may serve. They may do a lot of qualities. It's not about checking the boxes. It's about humbling out to God's plan fully. It's not negotiating and saying, well, I'll just do it this way. That's fine. You know my heart. No. You go all the way in and you become a disciple the way Jesus taught and the way the disciples in the first century. We need to fit in the teachings of the scriptures as though we were in the first century doing God's church. So look in Acts, Acts 5.19. So some people will study, and they'll be, they'll be really good. I mean, you know, excuse me, Galatians 5.19, they're good people, so to speak, good moral citizens. Jesus says no one's good, though, on the next level, right? Yeah. We, that's where you understand. But they won't believe when I show them the scriptures and even say you're not saved because you weren't converted correctly. I'll just start there. I'm not even, I'm not even going at their sins because you don't have to justify anything. It's not sin, sin. Sin separates you. But now their pride shows because they argue and they tell me their conversion, and it's not even the Bible. I go, how can you make someone else disciple? Well, I know it was real. I know it was real. It's real for me. No one can take that from me. I said, no one, and you have to do this. Anytime anybody shares something, even if it's wrong, it, it's, it can be still real experience. Don't try to tell them it didn't happen. It was real. If they're really that emotional, it's real. It's just they're still wrong. You can be emotionally and sincerely think you're right or right or right, but when you're showing Scripture, and that's the only reason I say it, Scripture is not matching up. How are you going to go out and make disciples of all nations and baptize them? Like Jesus said, we're going to get slowly off the map if we don't stay on point, and God decides when the miracle of salvation happens. Last, okay, Galatians 5.19 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, which would be lying, pride, cheating. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's for people who have been become Christians, disciples, or not. Because you need to be, the ruler of the air, Satan, is at work hard, but he can't get to you if you continue to know you're in Christ and, and go to God and be, be strengthened by his promise in your faith and pray. And then be obedient. Don't start missing services. Don't stop, stop, don't, don't slowly detach yourself where you're away from the body. That's another obedience from God. Be devoted to one another. There's a plan in that. Sexual morality. You imagine how many people are going to hell right now on this planet? I was one of them until I earned it. But if you, you, everybody in here probably knows someone that's sleeping with somebody or living with someone. Everybody knows of or somebody that's sleeping together outside of marriage, that lives together, and it's normal in your family. They've been dating baby so long. You never got married, but they're just living together. That's sexual immorality. Can you understand how many people are not going to go to heaven because of that? Well, I got married and then I became a disciple. You still need to repent of the sins you did before when you were immoral when you were younger. You can't, everything must be brought up before God and acknowledged. Yeah. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry. That's not being a disciple. Idolatry, until you understand, you might not even know, until you put Jesus as Lord, as the real God, the small g, idolatry, was you, living the best you could, and me or anybody else that didn't know the scriptures and the plan of Jesus, but just sincerely were trying they didn't even, they can't even help it. You're going to be an idol of your, yourself. It's going to be first anyway. You just can't help it. 
You're like that little bug in that Bug's Life movie. Don't look at the light, but the bug does. He goes, don't look at the light. He just can't help it. He just goes and dies. That's our sinful nature without Christ. We're looking at the sin. We're looking at sin. God's like, don't look at the sin. Don't get near the sin. Don't go near the fruit, Eve. It's desirable. It can give you knowledge. It's going to be for wisdom. It's all positive. The whole issue is I'm telling you not to do it. See, the apple wasn't even going to hurt her. That was good. She said it was pleasing to the eye, desirable, even good for knowledge. It's all things that could be good for your life. But she missed the whole window. She's justifying. God said, don't touch it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. That's the issue. You don't go, well, why? Like, I'm living with her. I love her. No, you're not. You haven't devoted to her. You live with someone and you're not married. You know what you're saying? I'm not sure. You, it's, love is a commitment, and you're living together going, you're saying that, you're not saying it, but you're saying it with your, with your statement that maybe there's another person, or maybe, you know, I'm just, I, I just not sure. When you, when you commit to one another, like Alon and uh, you, you, Giovanni did, or back from their honeymoon, they just got back, if you didn't know, from the honeymoon to Greece, and they got married last week, the week before, but close. <laughs> I did the wedding, so I was there. I know. So, last point, come into the light. Come into the light and stay in the light. See, when you get baptized into Christ, you're in the light. And now you walk in the light, understanding what it means to live as a disciple before. You have to understand what you're deciding to change your life and live for before God. It's not just winging it. You have to understand, Jesus even says, think about it. Like it's building a huge project. You think about what I'm asking you to do because don't just jump in emotionally and not even know what you're doing and just that's just going to be worse because you're going to deceive yourself and you're going to deceive everybody else because you don't know what you're doing. And I'm not, com- I'm not giving you my spirit. I'm not coming in because you didn't do it right. And you may think, but then the ruler and error go, it's all right. You're right with God. That's, what, that's why so many religious people think they have the spirit. Acts 2.36. Come into the light. Here it is. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God, it doesn't change. God made Jesus Lord to be Lord of every human being who ever lived, who ever will live, and Christ. Christ, Christ Messiah, that's the saving grace. You didn't earn it, but you repented before. Because to be, make Jesus Lord, you've got to understand what that means. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, What shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off. The promise never changes. We're all far off. Everybody living now is really far off from when the actual historical event happened. And with many other words... He warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. Not everybody accepted the message, by the way, those who accepted it. But you see how he is warning them with many other words and pleading with them? The scriptures weren't written down yet, canonized. So Peter had the gift to speak the words of God and really reiterate Jesus. That's why with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Now we have the scriptures canonized, but he's just saying the same things we can read in the Bible. Man, you got to do this to understand what you're doing. And those who accepted his message were baptized. What happened? Well, their sins were forgiven. They, were, they became true disciples, and they were given spirit. Now you can say, well, how did they know? Well, they were God-fearing Jews that were following everything already, devoted, so devoted. Their real only sin was they have to believe in Jesus. 
And that was a no-brainer. They believe in Jesus. Okay, now, this is the final plan. This is the one. For, for Gentiles, us, we're already heaped in sin, so we got to get back and deep in sin. These were God-fearing Jews that already had, they were doing everything in the letter of the law, and they went, whoa, this is it, and they just had to believe. So they were already as right as you could get. If they didn't accept the final plan of Jesus, they would have stopped being right. The Jewish people that don't accept Jesus are not right with God anymore. And now look in John, 1 John 1, 7, because it says walk in light. Well, how you get into light, come into light, is you're baptized into Christ. You repent, which means what is a disciple? What does it mean to follow me? What does that look like in my life? What is the church? Why, why is there a church? Does the church fit in? Well, Jesus says he's Lord of the church in many places. So we got to understand, okay, not only do I want to learn, but i got to make sure everybody else is doing what, I, what you're teaching because it would have to be a church of disciples, yep. not a Burger King church. Then once you're baptized, you got to continue to walk in the light. But you're still going to struggle at times because you're maturing and overcoming your sinful nature. And the kingdom of air is still trying, Satan's still trying to get you, and he's going to work new spins on you in the church. Because that's why he's fixed your eyes on Jesus, not on stuff or people. But in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This is talking to disciples Telling them to continue to walk in the light. We don't have to keep getting baptized. Once you're in the light, you continue to have fellowship with one another because the blood of Jesus, you're in Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the saving grace is there. And when you struggle and whatnot, God knows you're going to do what's right because if you truly are a disciple and responded, really because you believe there's, this is, I can't stop this. This is God. There's a, this is right. You're going to do it. Even if you're afraid, you're going to do it. And you're going to be cut. And you're going to continue to be cut to the heart even when you walk in the light. And you guys understand that, right? So am I. You may get in a bad place. You may get in sin, but you have to talk through it. You get helped. You get open. You continue to confess. You repent. And the blood of Jesus, because of being in the kingdom, you continue to walk in the light. Isn't that awesome? Light represents pure, true, holy, reliable salvation from God, God's, God's power. Darkness represents what is sinful and evil. So anytime you go into evil, that's the kingdom of air. You're trying to, you know, or anything that would refute or be, be, be different than what the Bible teaches. 